listening to a message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to know more about Red or its ministries, please go to redchurch.org.au. Well, it's good to be with you today uh, as we open God's Word, which I'm going to do now. We're going to turn to the book of Hebrews and we're going to turn to chapter 6. We're going to be looking at 19, verse 19, and the first part of verse 20. If you open your Bibles, we'll read from that now. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Now, before I come back to this verse, I want to, I guess, set things up. Uh, I'm also very aware that this is the first sermon that I've preached for this year. We had our summer series, which was a fantastic time to hear from various friends I've read from around the world who gave us so many great deposits, not just sermons off the bat that they pulled out of a suitcase, but actually words that were very specific uh, for Red that had been prayed uh, into. If you did not listen to them, I encourage you to go back and re-listen even um, because there was some absolute gold there for Red. But this is really my first chance to preach at the beginning of what is, again, a very unusual year. There was a bit of a sense at the end of 2020, a bunch of memes that 2020 was going to end and people like, worst year ever, let's just get it over with and get back onto a normal business in 2021. But strangely, uh, things don't feel like they normally do at the beginning of a year. There's a sense where so many things are up in the air. The usual way we could plan uh, is no longer there. Businesses, uh, individuals who normally could bank on a holiday, perhaps go overseas at this particular time, perhaps as an organization planned for the whole year. So much is up in the air at the moment. And so I wanted to speak really, I guess, as sort of a starting point for us as Red Church this year in this ever-changing environment. We are setting ourselves up in a form this year, which is a kind of hybrid where we're looking at slowly starting in-person services, um, doing that in a COVID-safe way. Um, Thank you for your patience um, as we've been on this journey. There have been a whole bunch of constrictions that we've had to work through uh, as a church uh, that does not own its worship space that we meet in, sharing that with other people. So thank you for your patience with that as we've worked through a whole bunch of variables. We also will be continuing online, plus also encouraging people, as many people are excited about, to meet in informal settings, smaller group gatherings, as we exist in this interim space uh, while the world still deals with the pandemic, which is a rapidly changing uh, environment. We are recording this on a Thursday. Yesterday, uh, Victoria had achieved eradication after not having it for a period of days. Today, we have another case and all of a sudden we have new restrictions and we're wearing masks again in the office. So what we can see is it's almost impossible to do long-term planning. It's really hard to put things in place. And we know people have asked us questions. What is your long-term plan for this? We are setting ourselves up in a position to be adaptable to whatever the environment changes. That That may happen as we go forward in this year. But what I want to do is I want to, I guess, orientate us to what is not changing. And in order to do that, I want to return 
to someone who invested in us early on in the pandemic, uh, our friend Terry Walling, who's come and uh, shared with us uh, here in Australia in the flesh, but shared with us at the beginning of the pandemic, at the beginning of 2020, about a month into the pandemic. And Terry and I did an interview, uh, which so many people found helpful. We put it up online and people, not just from Red, but so many churches downloaded this interview and found it just a fantastic way to orientate themselves. And I want to return to this because I think there is things that Terry spoke about going forward that are really important for us to return to this side of the year. Firstly, Terry spoke about kinds of moments that we have been in as transitions. Often people see them as a crisis that comes, but there is a sense of invitation that Terry pointed out for us. And that what we were stepping into as individuals, as a church, as an Australian culture, as the world was actually needing to be viewed through a biblical lens, to be seen through how God sees things. And so in order to do that, I thought instead of just me going over it, what I would do is actually give you an opportunity now to visit. We're just going to watch a tiny bit of that interview. So we're going to go back in time to, I think it was April uh, 2020, and hear again what Terry was, I guess, coaching us, how he was coaching us as we were about to enter into the year that we have just had. Let's return to that interview now. This is a profound um, moment of crisis for the world. Unbelievable. Um, yep. Yep. And, and it's a, uh, also an opportunity in the midst of the crisis. Um, right. What are some of the opportunities, you, opportunities that you see for us as believers um, in the midst of a moment like this? Yeah. Well, one of the general characteristics of a time of transition is the fact that we can't go back, but we don't know which way forward. And it creates this time of uncertainty, even a time of isolation. And what typically happens is that, you know, all of us uh, don't like those moments. And so we want to kind of actually get out of them as quick as we can. But the reality is, if you look back on many, many years of how God shapes leaders, even biblically, how he's been shaping leaders uh, historically, and even today, you begin to discover something. We want out of transitions, but God wants in. And God uses these in-between moments to do things he could often never do, and not because of him, because of our response, um, without being in a time of transition. So one of the things that, that is actually good, even about a time of transition, is the ability to actually have him refine us and take us to a new place deeper in our dependency on him. And what that typically yields is a greater authority to minister for him. And so the very thing we resist sometimes is actually the very thing he is trying to do to align us with him and be able to grant us more of his presence. And so while I don't like this moment and you don't like this moment and all those listening don't like this moment, in reality, this could be a moment in time where God does some of his greatest work because personal renewal precedes and leads to corporate change. And that truth is this. If we're going to go to a new place as a church, he needs to take us to a new place in our dependency on him. 
So part of the 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 axiom I've I've taught people with transition is instead of resisting it, move toward it, lean into it, and actually get all you can out of a transition. Because almost just like you see with this virus, they come to an end. And when they come to an end, we have what we have. And we have the work we've allowed God to do in each one of our lives. It's so interesting watching that back. Now, on this side of where we are in the midst of the pandemic. I just want to read a quote, which I think is so important that you just heard then. We want out of transitions, but God wants in. Terry helped us realize that in these moments, there's a sense where we just want to avoid it. We want to go around it. But there's actually an invitation, even in the midst of terrible things. And pandemic has been a terrible thing. There are 2 million people in the world who are not with us now, who were with us when it all began at the end of January. But Terry reminds us that there's certain works that God does in us in times of challenge and breaks in our usual way of operating and in these transition moments that do not occur at other times. There is something that it opens up a potential in us which doesn't seem to be open at other times. I just want to also point out another quote that Terry said. If we are going to go to a new place as a church, he needs to take us to a new level of dependency upon him. Now, I believe this is so key to return to. There are some profound temptations, which Terry also outlined, which I'll mention in a second. They're going to come before us at this time. But there has been an invitation to go into this moment where we recalibrate as a church in this transition time and recalibrate ourselves back to Christ and his mission. Really hard to do long-term planning, really hard to predict what it's going to look like in April, June, August, October, December in this rapidly changing environment. But we can recalibrate, set our sights on where God wants to take us and also be aware of what God has been doing in us in the midst of this panic pandemic, which has caused panic. Now, Terry, later in the interview, not in the bit that I showed there, talked about some temptations that were going to come for people as we lived through this time. And I want to revisit them now that we're on this side of so much of it. The first one is that people want to ignore the transition. They want to get out of the transition. I saw a video online of a woman in the United States who was in a store and she went into the store and was required to wear a mask. And she was asked by this sort of person, hey, can you uh, put on your mask? And her response was, and she was quite eloquent, seemed quite intelligent, and she wasn't saying any conspiracy theories or anything. She just simply said, no, I'm done. I'm done with COVID. I've had enough. It's done. I am not doing this anymore. And it was a fascinating live example of what the sense that sometimes we have in a moment of transition like this, where we're just done. And I've heard that from people. I'm done with the pandemic. Don't think about it anymore. And so there is this temptation to ignore the transition, ignore the moment, try and exist as if it's not happening. 
And at this moment in which we find ourselves, where we can sort of now see the light as the vaccine is distributed in the world, as it begins to you know, now come on our, our radar and the government's talking about a point where our country could be vaccinated and timetables and so on, there's this really interesting moment that particularly we face as a church in, in Melbourne as people are going back to in-person worship where there is a temptation to snap back to the familiar and snap back what was before. Now, I totally get this. There, We had our first in-person gathering last week, which some of you were at. And afterwards, people just talked for an hour out the front. And there was this sense of emotion as people came back. And that is valid and important and really key. Christian community is wonderful. But there's something that God has been doing in this transition. And we're going to miss something if we don't see it as a church. The second thing that Terry warned us about was this temptation to achieve our way out of the pandemic. To come up with what is the model? How do we beat it? How do we arrange things for our own personal lives? in order to achieve our way through this time where we've almost been put on a sense in an enforced Sabbath. And that can be there for us as a church. The conversation can begin now. What is the model for church? Now, we have to make real-world decisions of how we arrange ourselves. We're thinking hard and long about this. But there can be this sense now, and I've had this conversation with people. Some people have, have said to me, you know, the future of church, it's completely changed now. It's going to be digital. Is, you know, is, that's, that's what we're going to do is red, aren't we? We're just going to go digital now. Others are talking about, wow, this is an incredible opportunity to just make church now in the home, smaller groups, back to the early church model, that's the future. Other people are like, right, now's the opportunity to go back and start services as they were before in the exact same way as you're doing before. And there are all these temptations to talk about what does the model look like? And there's a time and place for that. But there's something bigger going on in this time. The last temptation Terry outlined was a sense of almost just being overwhelmed, of moving into this sense of being almost passive in the face of everything that's happening. And many of us have felt that at moments of being overwhelmed in the last 12 months. So Terry is saying, and I think this is a real message for us as a church that was deposited in us at the beginning, is the question of what has read learnt from this pandemic? What has God been teaching us in the midst of this time of transition? How have we responded as a church? In this unprecedented moment of pausing everything, what is God saying to you as an individual? What is God saying to Red Church? What is God saying to the broad church? So we've arrived at this moment of transition, which is this recalibration. And I believe this is a moment of recalibration for the church. One of the things that God wants to do through all of this, I don't believe he caused it, but he turns bad to good. And one of the things that he wants to do, I believe at this moment, is, is this is a moment of divine focusing. Where we ask the question, where really as Australians in the 21st century living in a city like Melbourne, if that's you or if you're someone else, where is your hope? What is your faith founded upon? What is our church founded upon? I have spoken to a number of pastors in other contexts who, when the pandemic happened, were like, what do I do now? 
and got on the phone a few months into the pandemic and began ringing around. And a number of them had conversations which were deeply, I guess, confrontational uh, to, to how they understood church. A number of them went like this. Yes, I've come to your church because you're a church which made yourself about community. Or I came to your church because you're a church that made yourself about that justice project in the community. Or I came to your church because I love Sundays because there was donuts and coffee and I could drop my kids off. But with that gone, I've realized here at home that I really don't have much of a faith. And really I was coming for those other things. And then the bit which is hard where then they tell the pastor, so we're not coming back. And when I heard these stories, it made me realize how so much of the church's focus and argument in a secular culture over the last decade or couple of decades has been, hey, I know church seems to be declining, but hey, our church is different. Our church has wonderful community. Come for the community. Our church has donuts. Come for the donuts. Our church is involved in this justice project. Our church is involved in the community in this way. Our church has this kind of worship. Our church has this form of contemporary or this form of liturgy or whatever it is. And we have put things in front of come to church because of this. And what has happened in the midst of this moment when so many of the things that the church normally does has been paused. It has been a divine focusing on why are we in this in the first place? Why are churches doing what they are doing? Why are people coming to church and participating in this body created by Jesus called the church? Why are we doing this? What is our allegiance? Is it to a model of church? Is it to family tradition? Is it to our mates? Is it to an ideal of community? Is it to a particular style of church, a particular locality of church? Is it certain social dynamics, which means we just keep doing this, our friends are going or our family's gone or I've always got up on a Sunday morning and gone. What is keeping us there? Is it what that Christian celebrity is doing or that worship movement over there? And I've realized that one of the gifts of this transition moment is to actually focus us on why we're doing what we're doing. As we began to look at how we do a COVID safe service and the various restrictions that we have, that we couldn't put on coffee and do some of the hospitality stuff that we've done, that we couldn't, because so many people have moved in this pandemic, start the congregations exactly as they were before, because so many people have moved, people have left, people have had to go back to other countries, people have moved to our city, there's new people, that we could not press a button and make everything go back to what it looked like, even if people wanted that. When we couldn't sing in the ways that we could sing, we couldn't sit in a row with our friends in the way that we used to sit. When I realized this, I even had to ask myself, what are we here for? What are we doing this for? And I realized that church has been taken down to the bare bones at the moment. But the story of the scripture is that God's spirit breathes into bare bones, as Hannah Heather reminded us of a few weeks ago, and hope comes and then brings a resurrection. And the focusing of this moment is, I believe, 
we are called to come back to church, to be the church, to continue being the church as we have been over the last period. Why? Because of what it was always about, Jesus. Community is great, but when you put community first and come to church primarily for community, you create an idol. When we come to church because of this contemporary model or that liturgical model or because it's the shortest drive or because I can drop my kids off or perhaps because my friends are going or my family's going or I've always done that or I like that style or I heard that speaker there or whatever it may be, we are putting things before Jesus. I believe one of the, the great blessings of this time in the, much of, in the time of so much cursedness is that the invitation for the church, I think particularly the Western church, is to make church what it is fundamentally about, a community coming together to worship and glorify God, to bow down before him. And Red Church has been forced back to something we have where it's easy to have it on our signs and logos more than me. More than me. And more than me means it's actually about Jesus. So this has been a kind of discipleship stress test, as Brittany called it in, our, in a conversation I had with her the other day. That This is a moment where churches across the world have paused and not been able to do the things that they usually do. And then we've seen what is the quality of our discipleship. What discipleship is, is the following of Jesus. And when we can't have all the other things around that, that support that, what is left? Alan Emerson, who began our summer series, gave a word for red. And his word was that red is not being uprooted, but being replanted. He, he talked about this desire after crisis to kind of return to a stability that is tempting rather than stepping into the invitation. So why is the invitation before red right now? Do we just snap back to what was? To be honest, to be a church in a moment where in so many ways the Western church is losing the discipleship battle for the next generation. Attendance in church in Australia has pretty much stayed the same for the last 10 years. But so much of that stability is actually from older generations who faithfully come. And when they pass on to glory, the church, unless something changes in Australia, is going to see a significant decline. There is a new generation coming up. And I believe the pandemic and what has happened around us is terrible, but there's an invitation to be the generation who steps into a moment of rebuilding and renewal. Hannah Heather said, hope is the joyful anticipation of breakthrough. And I believe at this moment, that's the hope we need to hold on to. Not a looking back with nostalgia and sentimentality, but actually looking forward with an anticipation that breakthrough can come for the church in Australia and beyond and can come for Red Church and come come for our city. And that actually something new is birthed out of this. I don't want to go back to what was. 
I want to see what Jesus wants to do in the next season. Before the pandemic came, we as a church were praying into renewal, awakening, and revival. Have we seen it yet? No. Are we now being forced into a position where we have to make it, as Terry said, all about dependence on God? Yes. As terrible as this has been, I don't think this has been a pause in the church's activity. This has been a moment where the church is called to recalibrate. So where is our hope? Again, returning to that verse in Hebrews. Now, the the church that is addressed in the book of Hebrews by the writer of Hebrews is a church which is feeling tremendous cultural pressure. It's a church which is dismayed and feels itself up against a wall. It's a church where you've got a second generation, scholars believe, where their parents were really into faith, but this is the second generation. They sort of like faith. They've got a foot in the world. They've got a foot in the door of the church. And the writer of Hebrews writes to this group who feel discouraged and says this, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. That whatever is happening above the waves, whatever is happening in the storms on the sea, an anchor keeps you secure in place. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. This is wonderful temple language, that area of the temple, which I've talked about a lot in the last couple of years, where the high priest would come into the holy place and then there was this curtain dividing the holy place with the holiest of holies. And the language that the scriptures are using here in Hebrews is that there's now, that curtain is now in heaven and Christ, who is the anchor, who Hebrews is pointing towards, is behind the curtain. And so here in Australia, no matter what is going on, whatever happens in the world, and there's increasing craziness, not just around the pandemic, there is increasing social and cultural upheaval in the world, we have an anchor which is firm and secure. But it's also an anchor. And sometimes when ships would get caught without, when there was no wind, what they do is they would, throw, they would get in a little rowboat and they would go out and they would go forward and they would drop the anchor and then they would wheel the anchor in and the ship would move forward by the anchor. That's a moment that we're in now. We can't do long-term planning. In a sense, the, the winds which are sometimes behind our backs of social uh, you know, you know, excitement and dynamics isn't there. But this is the time where we realize that Christ is our anchor. He has gone ahead. He sits at the right hand of the Father in the heavenlies. And now is the time to recalibrate upon Christ. I just want to give real quick three things, therefore, what this means. This is a moment where we recalibrate towards Christ. So first of all, recalibration requires revaluing. In this pandemic, people have been asked over the last 12 months, what do I really value? People who used to spend an hour commuting are not now. How do I value that time? Who are the people during the pandemic that I really connected into? Friendships have changed. People are reevaluating where they want to live, what they want to do for work. There's a bunch of reevaluating going on that's happening in Australian culture. But we also need to recalibrate around what are Christ's values and how do we center our lives upon them. The second thing is that recalibration requires redirecting. 
This is a moment where we need to look at our lives and ask the question in this moment of pausing, of a pattern break, of this liminal in-between space in which we're living, what are some of the directions that are pushing me away from Christ? Even some of them which could be putting things that are nice around church in front of Christ in their order of importance. Uh, direction of wanting to go back to what was instead of walking forward with Christ who is our anchor into the future that he has for us. Recalibration requires redirecting. And lastly, recalibration requires commitment or recommitment. And I think that's where I want to end. I want to end with an invitation. If transition is an invitation to go deeper with God, in this moment as we emerge from almost past 11 months of existing as we used to exist as a church, at this new moment, as we step into this new phase in world history. And I do believe that it's bigger than the pandemic. The pandemic has simply been an accelerant for a whole bunch of huge changes that are happening in the world from a personal level to a geopolitical level. We're now moving into a new phase. And as we go forward into this new phase as believers as a red church, for the new phase, which may not look like the phase behind. Do I know exactly what it looks like? No. Do I have some secret plan up my sleeve? No. What we do have is Jesus as our anchor. But the question I want to ask right now is, are you in? Are you in? We've gone into the halftime team rooms. The first half is over. The second half awaits, and it's time to go back on the field. And are we in? And going back onto the field, listening to Jesus who is coaching us and encouraging us at every moment, are you in for the second half Red Church, for what God wants to do at this moment? Are you in to press into renewal and revival and awakening that the church needs at this moment? Are you in, even if it doesn't look like it looked like before? Are you in when the world could look crazier or when you have Christ as your anchor? Are you in? I'm going to pray. God, I just want to speak out that word that was spoken over us as a church by Alan Emerson at the beginning of January, that there is a seed that God has planted in Red Church that we need to steward. And that somehow through this season, that the pot that we're in previously has been taken, but we're being repotted. And part of that repotting is something for the soil where that seed is released. And Father, we want that seed to be released in the next season. We want your dream, as he called that seed is God's dream for red to be realized. Not just for red, for the brand of red or anything like that. Father, we want that to be released for the biggest story that you're doing in your church at this time. Father, this has been a tough season. It's been a hard season. It's been a season of loss and pause and often isolation and confusion. It's also been a season of revaluing, of, of redirecting, of recalibrating. But Father, I just pray for a sense of recommitment. We confess how we've often made church about other things than you. I confess as a church leader the temptation that is sometimes to encourage people to come to church through a bunch of whole other things. 
Father, we confess when we've put one model, whether it's house church or, or mid-sized groups or digital church or in-person gatherings, whatever, we know these models and things are all secondary to you. Father, we ask that you be our anchor. You are on the other side of the curtain where we can't see, but you are ahead. You're at the control room of the universe. You are moving history towards your ends. And Father, we want to say yes, that we're in for what you're calling us to. Father, we realize there is no favor outside of obedience. And we ask your forgiveness for where we've sought favor through coming to church to bless our little life projects and not being obedient to you. So this moment, in this opportunity, we want to say yes to you for the second half. Lead us, go ahead of us. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.